2: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good
3: afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, October 29th, 2021, and I do really appreciate you being with me. And it certainly doesn't feel like autumn here in Southern California. It's been 80 degrees the last couple, three days. We had a cool weekend last weekend, but boy, it warmed up. And, you know, it's very pleasant, but I like the fall weather. That's one thing I miss about when I lived in the New York area was the, the fall. I don't miss the winter, and I didn't miss the summers, but the fall and the spring, they were they were fantastic. I really loved those times. But, hey, I can't complain. I'm not complaining. no. I couldn't, and the winters were brutal. (laughs) For me, they were anyways. Um, You're listening to Talk, and you know, I started the show with the same thing. We're all all about here achieving financial freedom. That's the objective. I mean, I'm sure that's your objective. Why else would you be listening to the show to help you grow your money? That's what we want to do. So you got to stay focused on your portfolio. You got to stay focused on what you're doing. You gotta understand how market volatility affects your portfolio and what you should do about it. Most of the time you should do nothing about it. See, market volatility is just that volatility. It's neither bad nor good. But I also start this show every day with the mission our mission statement, independent thing is shared success, and I will answer all your questions absolutely with no bias, try and give you all the facts as we know them. Okay, as I have them listed for me in front of my machine with all the data that I have available, and that's how we work here on Invest Talk. But you drive the show. You tell you tell me where you want to go. I'm Steve Peasley. I really do encourage you to contact me with your financial investment questions. We will we will we'll explore every one of them. If you just want to talk about stocks, that's fine. If you want to talk about IRAs? You want to talk about portfolio management, whatever it is you want to talk about. As long as it's money, I'm, I'm on board with you. So give me a call. We're live right now. We're always live, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And if you can't call me live right now, you still can call anytime you want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave a question. I really would like you to do that. If you have a question, just call. 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question.
1: Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Chris from Atlanta. I was calling to ask what you look for in stocks that are kind of beaten up, how to value them, if it's a good time to buy. Uh, I was looking at the Healthcare Service Group, HCSG. What are some of the risks that you look at to see if this is a good value at it? Because it appears on the chart that, you know, about $19, 20 it does find some good support from what I've seen. Uh, what else would you look for in plays like this to find a good value dividend plays that are just getting beaten up at this time look forward to hearing your answer thanks for everything you do
3: okay well that's an excellent question how do you know if the stock that's beaten up is a good value and it will recover how do you know well first of all you don't know for sure no one ever knows because something could be happening that you don't know and it's not in the public eye and that's it but but if you're looking for value You know, you don't don't shy away from beating up stocks. You find out why they're beaten up. And if that reason is transitory or unjustified, those are the ones you want to buy. So this one is Healthcare Services Group provides housekeeping, laundry, maintenance, dietary services to 3,000 long-term care facilities in 48 states. Pretty stable business. Okay? Okay. it is a 1.4 billion dollar company. They're going to make 93 cents a share next year, after 85 cents this year, a dollar 32 last year. Why did it get beaten up? One of the reasons is sales have been falling. Okay, they've been falling five to 12 percent every quarter for the last two years. That's disturbing. Why are sales falling consistently? And that would be why it's beaten up, because no one likes that. So. For me, it would be, okay, let's take a look at their debt and looks find out why their sales have been falling. Are they in markets that they can't raise their prices? What's the deal there? It's a $19 stack, gonna make $9.83 next year. So that is like a 20 PE and that's not cheap. Even though the stock has near its bottom, that's still not cheap. It's not expensive. They have a very good return actually 21% which that is very good. Uh, mutual funds are buyers, which is a good sign. So this could be a this could be a good value play. But my first my first objective was to find out why the sales have been consistently falling. What's wrong with that picture? Okay, that's what I would do. Good question. That symbol was HCSG. HCSG. My focus point today concerns the story behind the question. Is the market starting to price in more interest rate hikes than the Fed is indicating? You know what the Fed has indicated? What hikes they're going to start, when they're going to start raising rates? Remember, in November, they're going to start buying less bonds and mortgage-backed securities. We think both. We'll see. So that's a first hint of tightening. That, I think, is obviously built into the market. Everybody knows that's happening. No one cares anymore after now. But I do believe that's why the volatility was so high a month or so ago, last, last month or so, is because of that change in policy stance. That's a change for the Fed. So we'll talk about that in more detail. Some of the other things I want to discuss, inflation. we got some inflation numbers out today. I want to talk about battery technology. We've discussed that several times. There's all kinds of news on that coming out today. Uh, yield curve. You know what the yield curve is? When I say yield curve, in your mind as an investor, you should know exactly what I'm talking about when I say the yield curve. And if you don't, I'm going to go over it with you. And then, uh, did you see the uh, takeover of a Chinese developer project in San Francisco? A big high-rise project? I think these Chinese developers are struggling everywhere. Huge issues. And I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. I don't know if we'll ever see the whole iceberg because China keeps everything so, so, so quiet. Japan did it too. Uh, in the late 80s, Japan tried to hide every bad company they had by making stronger companies buy the weaker companies. They would do that. They would force them to do that. China does it a different way. They just hide it. You don't even know. You, it comes out in the news. It comes out because because it, it's pretty difficult to keep everything secret. But So we're going to talk about that. Those are things I'm going to discuss some of the things are really short, so it won't take long. The market was up today. The Dow was up 89 points, the Nasdaq up 50, and the S&P up 9. So a pretty good week for the market, really. Um, it looks like we are be- you know, the correction is behind us. And now it's a question of well, how, will the market continue up? How far? How long? How, how strong will the ne- next leg up be? Is it going to be over – until the, the end of the year, into the remember the last three months and the first three months of a year, those six months are the strongest. The middle months of the year are the weakest, okay? And it's pretty significant difference, pretty significant. So we'll see. You know, I, this is one of the things I love about this. You know, it constantly changes, constantly new things to learn, and I, I really do enjoy it. I do. But I enjoy your calls first. So let's make some calls here people 888-99-CHARGE our number 888-992-4278 if you don't call we'll go to our voice bank which we have plenty of backlog calls and we will use them so we're headed into a quick break i'm steve peasley and i'm always happy to tackle your financial investment questions please make the call 888-99-CHARGE we're live 45 pacific time who are ready and wanting and willing to take your calls. This is The Best Talk, 888-99-CHART.
0: With inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World. This important online event is hosted by InvestTalk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. The InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World is free but you've got to register. Go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register. And now, Steve and Justin are ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready to talk with you. Call Talk 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Sean Woods with uh, Arizona. Just wanted to reach out about other investors um, use Fibonacci extensions to try to describe what's gonna happen to the market. They're talking about how the Dow Jones is reaching its
0: Fib extension from the 2008 crash. It might do uh, a crash like the 1929 when it reached its Fib
1: extension at that time. So I was just curious if you guys used Fibonacci and extensions to try to figure out the markets. And if so, do you think
0: that the Dow Jones is going to have a major correction like the 1929?
1: Um, just because of how far it's gone since the 2008 crash. I look forward to hearing from your answer. Thank you.
3: Well, I guarantee you the mark will crash. uh, Always does. It will crash. But I have a feeling we're not close to that yet. I do feel that uh, the next crash will probably come with the next recession. Now, when will that be? Well, there's no signs of it yet. Now, Fibonacci. Fibonacci is a mathematician. I don't know. 15th century 16th century mathematician really long time ago and he noticed it was it's all about patterns okay and you know he noticed different patterns and then when you start applying those patterns to the to the stock exchange they apply it to chart reading charts okay so there's a retrenchment numbers from a high and they they're twenty five percent, fifty percent, sixty percent, seventy five percent. These numbers are are normal retrenchment numbers from a high, and are in Fibonacci would be considered support numbers. So when you you look for a Fibonacci retracement, you 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 put a, a point from a low to a point to a high, and you then determine how, what kind of percent re. Retracements could happen from that low to the high, and then you see, then then you trade based on that. But I will tell you this: extremely difficult, not nearly reliable. And what kind of chart do you use? Do you use a daily chart, a weekly chart, monthly chart? If they're talking about going all the way back to the to the Great Recession, they they had to use a monthly charts. They didn't have charts back then, so they had to you know, build them all the way back to then. And you know, i, I I'm not. There's also cycle theory, there's, there's Dorsey-Wright cycles. You ever heard of that? Dorsey-Wright cycles uh, in the markets where there's different waves up and different retracement waves down. There is a million different ways to look at the market. Now, which ones do you use? Which ones do you rely on? See, I'm gonna tell you this. Chart reading is not a science, it's an art. It tends to be true. Why does it tend to be true? Because our actions as investors make it happen. Fear and greed, buying and selling. We see patterns, we try to see patterns and then we try to make it happen by our actions. We do make it happen by our actions. So don't get caught up in all these different ways. (laughs) You know what you wanna do? You buy stocks to make money. Stocks that are growing, solid companies, and don't be so try to try to guess what directions things are going to be. The market has an upward bias and has for well over a hundred years. So you just go with a bias. Yes, you can have big pullbacks. I don't see a 1929, 1930 pullback, Great Depression. I don't see that yet. Is it possible? Sure. No, I don't I don't see that yet. Anyways, this is The Best talk. I'm Steve Pizzi. So why are we here today? Why am I doing this po- podcast, this radio show? I do it because I like it. I know you need and want effective strategies. I know that. I know you need help with dealing with market volatility. I know that too. So give me a call. Maybe we can help you address it. Do not react to fear and greed. 888 99
0: two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call Talk 888-99-CHART.
3: Nine two four two seven eight. Let's talk to James in Sonoma, up there where the grapes are grown. Hi, James. Well,
2: yeah, I, I guess they're growing. I see them on a freeway going by at seventy-five miles an hour. So I don't, <laughs> you know, I guess they're growing. Hey, Steve, it always makes it always makes people like me feel a little better when you say it's not a science, it's an art. We always feel a little better when you say that. It takes away the responsibility of what we've done over the years. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm calling about. I'm calling about um, Dow, D-O-W. I wasn't going to call today, but you had mentioned about stocks getting beat up. Now, yes. they got a high dividend, al- although they haven't raised their dividend. And what I can see, it looks like the last three years. Uh, but also, um, uh, Jim Cramer just had the CEO on his show. And it was all, you know, lollipops and, pop- and, uh, lollipops and popcorn.
0: Right. And
2: uh, right. I don't see why... Yeah, so I know you guys are no big fan of that. So why isn't this moving with almost a 5% dividend?
3: It should, that's for sure. Let me get some information out to everybody. D-O-W is a symbol, Dow Inc. It provides material solutions to consumer care, infrastructure, packaging markets worldwide. It's going to make $8.90 this year, but then it's going to back off next year to $6.29 a share. It's a 55, almost $56 stock, so it's under a 10 PE. Now, what's its range? 7 to 35 is the range of the PE. Return on equity is weak at 9%. Cash flow is strong, and they will easily be able to pay the dividend, which is 5%. Okay? That would be about a 45, 50% payout ratio, and anything under 60 is pretty safe. Sales growth has sparked it's 53% this most recent quarter just reported, 66% growth the quarter before that, 22% before that. Now, the year before that growth was, there was no growth, it was shrinking. So it might be because it's not consistent. In 2019, they only made $2.72. 2017, they only made $0.62. But between those two dates, they made fifty-eight, five dollars, and are five to six dollars a share between those. Very cyclical. So now they're on an up cycle. I think what you're seeing is people saying, "Oh, this is it." Got to a new fifty-two week high in June, and they started to say, "Okay, they may be at the top of the cycle." But you know what, James? I don't think we're at the top of the cycle. I don't. I think we're we're I think we're gonna see a, a continuation of this cycle for well into next year. So this might be a good place to pick it up. If you wanted to buy it. If I owned it, I would keep it. Just because of the dividend and it's safe. But so I'd keep it. James, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. When people take the time to leave an InvestOp Podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them. And as a courtesy, we get to their questions as soon as we can uh a S- Steeler called and his question was every level investor will get something out of every podcast I have communicated back and forth with Steve on multiple occasions and he's always patient informative direct gee I didn't know I was going to read something that and incredibly knowledgeable thanks that's really complimentary despite me not being a client in my taxable brokerage account with Vanguard I'm curious what Taking profits means. Also, would like to know the tax implications. Okay, if you're, you know, we talk. I talk about taking profits in stocks a lot because individual stocks get way overbought or oversold, and they're much more volatile than a fund, a mutual fund. So, taking profits is not so imperative on a, from a mutual fund or an ETF because you're playing the whole market or whole sector, and you know it's. I, you would more rely on sector rotation and economic uh, uh, cycles to whether you should take profits or rebalance out of mutual funds and ETFs. Generally, you just hold on to them, okay? But if you get an ETF that is cycle-specific or a group of stock-specific, and that, that specific area really took off, then you would want to rebalance your portfolio because you're now, you know, you're dealing with certain sectors of getting overweighted. And, you know, there will be times that you would take uh, profits and cut back. I'm hesitant to even say that because generally they're so diverse, you just want to stay with them. But it depends on how you're using it. So, If you have just a, a group of five or six mutual funds and are all, sector specific then i would probably be trading some of them some of the time if you had a mutual fund with s&p 500 just leave it alone don't worry about it so that's the kind of thing so i'm hesitant to talk about taking profits when you own etfs and mutual funds i'm not hesitant about taking profits buying when you when you uh, from stocks okay it's a good question though it is Friday, and that means we'll soon be sharing highlights from the KPP Premium newsletter. That's coming up soon. In the meantime, my phone lines are open 888 99 chart.
1: And the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals
2: got a question for steve or justin you're the best person to ask it Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
1: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com. HackerOne dot
0: InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.
3: That's the number, everybody. We'd love to have you call. It is Friday, and that means I'll be sharing some of the highlights from the KPP premium newsletter before the end of the show. So that'll be coming up real soon. Remember the number. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. My focus point today, We. it was an article. There's an article I usually refer to, something I think that should be brought to your attention. This one says, the market is starting to price in more interest rate hikes than the Fed is indicating. Now the Fed has indicated maybe one hike next year. The market thinks there's gonna be at least two and three within one year. How do we know that? Well, there are surveys out there asking investors. I mean, that's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. And so, why do they think that? They think inflation, it's more of a problem, and the Fed's going to have to get more aggressive with it. But if they think that and they believe that, then they've already reacted to it in the stock market. 65% see a chance of the first hike coming in June of next year. 65% chance. 51% chance there'll be another one by September, and then, 50, 50, and then another 51% by a third hike in next February. But within a year. What's the probability of that happen? Well, probably, I would, I would say 50-50 that that's going to happen. I think that they, I think they're going to raise rates more also. So if I was part of this survey, I would have answered similarly, Lee, because I think of inflation is an issue that is being understated. Understated. I mean, just all the inflation numbers out today. Uh, you know, the inflation numbers out today were understated. The... That for the year coming up, the expectation for the for for inflation, according to the Commerce Department, went from two point eight percent to two point nine percent inflation rate in a year. I think that's way understated. I'm thinking more like five, maybe four, four to five, in the in the coming year. We got up to six, but now it's probably going to calm down. Why? I just think that the economies will start to recover. I think that uh, the the supply chain will take longer than most people think, probably into next year, but it will start to make incremental improvements along the way. Uh, I, I just think that, that, you know, I don't, there's, I, I just don't think we have enough pressure of inflation. And we're, I'm talking about outside our country too, not just inside so because we we export our inflation you know that we export it to foreign countries who make makes things much cheaper than we make them here that's one of the reasons why we do export but at the same time we're having more and more issues with china who makes a lot of things and you know there's a lot of political interest in bringing back that manufacturing back to the u.s and that would produce more inflation so there's Yin and yang there going. On. So, uh But I think the market knows that. The investors know it. And if the investors already think there are going to be two or three uh increases in interest rates within the next year, then the market's saying, eh, yeah, so. Or else it would react today. In other words, if it would crash today. It would, you know, if it felt fearful of it. But it's already reacted to it. They're not that fearful of it. They're just not. Probably because the rates are so low and they should go up. And we all expect it to go up. And it's, you know, it's not a disaster being up. It's not. Anyways, the KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today and it will be distributed to subscribers to pump tomorrow morning. In the market conditions section, I explained that a week of very good earnings helped bolster the market, which erased all of the 7% or so correction we've had. The correction was broad-based, but not very deep. Of course, the market may not move from here. We don't know if it's going to go up. Not for sure. But historically, the annual market cycle shows a bottoming in October, followed by a strong performance for the last three months of the year and the first three months of the next year. So that's what I said. That's the historical cycle. Just looking back, telling you what normally happens. There are plenty of problems for our economy. The third quarter GDP came in at a disappointing 2%. Remember, it was 6%. 6% in the second quarter. 2% in the third quarter. Huh. Well, that's supply chain disruptions, uh, U.S. economy, the world at large, situation with uh, COVID and what the governments in certain states and cities did is re-shut down or partially shut down. You know all that affects GDP. It's not going to just you know not be revealed in the numbers. It does, and we have a lot of jobs that and un, a pretty good unemployment rate for people. And I think might be because we're the unemployment benefits been too generous. Now I want to help people. I'm I'm not trying to be Mr. Scrooge here, but when there's when we are normally about 63% of our workforce is working in a, re- in a fully uh, go- growing economy like we have, why is it only like 61 now? 61%. And remember, there was 10 million jobs available. We got to historical levels on job availability. So why aren't they working? Why aren't they taking those jobs? See, so... That is a, a an explanation. The portfolio management section. I went into some pretty. Uh, well, I talked about Ben Graham and David Dodd on the Columbia Business School, and where, you know, uh, 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 Warren Buffett was uh, learned under Benjamin Graham, but he's the grandfather of value investing, and talked about the different value metrics that are out there. And by the way, Ben Graham's book goes back to 1934, so it's, it's still the Bible of value investing. Uh, I also, uh, let's see, under Stock Ideas, a company, the largest automotive dealer in the United States. You know who that is? Largest automotive dealer in the United States. I mentioned that company as one of the Stock Ideas. They have uh, 2020 revenues of $20 billion. Over 230 dealerships the country 300 locations also have collision centers you know who that is well I mentioned them in the newsletter also I mentioned a leading manufacturer medium and heavy-duty uh, trucks under their premium brands Kenworth and built and Peterbilt you know there's a company that that's their brands know who that is I name names in the newsletter okay and we do that every week you know it's once a week Uh, So, I really would suggest that if you're interested in getting um, some solid information once a week in a newsletter that's only, you know, three pages long, that's maximum, then uh, you could get our newsletter. There's a lot of valuable information every week in that newsletter. It's easy to subscribe. Go directly to investtalk.com, and after subscribing, you'll receive the report, the entire report, every Saturday, directly in your inbox appreciate that. InvestTalk.com. Let's pivot back to an Investalk voice bank question. 888 99 chart. Hi, Steve or Justin. Um, I'm calling from the UK about a uh, stock
0: I for India, N for Norway, V for Vietnam, A for America. I N V A. That's InnoViva Incorporated. It's about 1 billion market cap. Return on assets is about 25%. Return on equity, 76%. Revenues are rising every year, and free cash flow is also rising every year. Um, I just wondered what your thoughts were. It's a
3: pharmaceutical company, which seems uh, good, but let me know your judgment. Thank you. Bye. Okay. InnoViva Inc. I N V as a Victor, A as an Apple. Develop small molecular drugs for the treatment of respiratory th- Diseases in partnership with Glasgow Group, Glasgow Smith Klein Group. It's a 1.2 billion dollar company. Sales have been increasing 10 to 20 percent uh, every quarter, sometimes higher, sometimes a little less for the last two years. Um, it's a 17 dollar stock going to make a dollar 61 next year after making two dollars and two cents this year and two dollars two dollars two cents last year. So dollar 61, you know, it's going down. Um, but it still means that this is a very inexpensive stock, about a 10, 11 PE. You look backwards, it'll be six, but you always look forward. Okay, $1. 61 and $17 stock, so 11 PE. Um, the range is four to 18, so it's not super cheap based on its range, but its growth has been pretty steady. I would take a close look at sales growth to make sure that's sustainable. That would be my first question. They don't have a lot of debt. Uh, Mutual funds uh, are buying slowly over the last year. Uh, Return equity, I show, is 53%, which is very high. You showed higher than that, but even 53% is very high. And great cash flow. They don't pay a dividend. So, yeah, it's a good stock. Is this a good price? If I'm looking at a chart, is this a good place to get in? Well, it's right near its 52-week high. So uh, if it breaks above that 52-week high, which it did today... And looks like it closed right near that 52-week high. So you're, you're right there on a breakout. Hopefully, it will break out next week. And you buy it because it broke out. Let's make it two in a row. Another Talk question that call, was called in earlier.
1: Hi, my name is Paige calling from Sunnyvale, California. I am looking at the liquid natural gas space due to a lot of the conversations you guys have had on your show. Just comparing all the different names, I already had a small position started in Kinder Morgan, so um, I wouldn't mind some feedback on that. But the other one that looked like something I'd love for you to comment on is EQT Corporation. If you think it's a good company, a good buy price, or just get in and forget about (laughs) where it's at right now. Thank you for helping me. All right, goodbye.
3: I think you're a little late to this, this particular stock, this particular game. This is a very volatile company. Earnings have been very volatile the last ten years. One year they make money, and the other year they don't. They make money two years in a row, and then they lose money. You know, it, it's it's very volatile. Right now, sales fell nine hundred and fifty-one percent in the most recent quarter. Okay, uh, the last quarter they sell 100, fell one hundred and forty-nine. The quarter before that they fell fourteen percent. Quarter before that they gained twenty-four percent. Earnings in the last five years, let's just go back five years, a 83 seventy-four, eighty-three cents, minus nineteen cents, a this year, and next year two dollars and thirty-six cents. Well, based on next year's two dollars and thirty-six cents, it looks like a pretty reasonable stock. Yeah, it's a nineteen dollar ninety-one stock, but its range for P is from six to two hundred and thirty. So it's very, very volatile. This is the kind of stock you like to buy when it's beaten up terribly. And this stock was beaten up terribly, 4 to $5 a share back in 2020. That's the kind of time you want to buy it. That's when they lost $0.19 cents a share. That's why it's beaten up so bad. But that's how they that's how they operate. EQT Corporation, engaged in exploration, production, distribution of natural gas and oil to wholesalers and retail customers. I'd probably stay away from it. Not stable enough for me, just my personal opinion. On Fridays, I generally make time for a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers. Also, as you know, two-year Treasury yield at 0.475, and that was about, you know, it's 0.45 last week. Two weeks ago, it was 0.39, so it's gone up. The 10-year Treasury's also yield has gone up, uh, 1.54. Uh, actually, it came down just this most recent week, but that's up tremendously from a couple of months ago. What I have noticed is the yield spread, the yield curve, remember I told you I my head, is flattening. What is the yield curve? It's the difference in the yield between the two-year that I talk about every Friday and the 10-year that I talk about every Friday. That spread difference between them. That spread is really, really important. Usually the 10-year is much higher than the two-year. When it inverts, when the two-year's interest rate is higher than the 10-year, we are headed into recession. 100% of time, that's what's happened in the past. So when it flattens, which I just told you it flattens, both spreads are staying steady, that's the first time that you start to say, hmm, I wonder if it's gonna start to move in a different direction. Because before it was expanding, so you, that, it's a very good indicator for the for the economy. Gold was priced at 1782 last week it was 1792. Silver was at 2387 last week it was 2433. It went down. Oil was 8334 per barrel last week it was 8376. That was down a little too. The national average for gasoline for a gallon. $3.40, last week it was $3.37, so it went up. And if you want to know how bad we have it here in California, excuse me, last week, $4.58 a gallon, okay? It's more close, if you buy premium, it's 5 bucks a gallon. $4.58, last week, the week before, it was 4 dollars Up a nickel, two weeks ago, it was $4.40. Six. Up, up and up. Wyoming. Maybe we all should move to Wyoming. It's beautiful there. $350 a gallon there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after this break. So get your questions lined up. I really would like to see them. 888-99 chart.
2: a good time to call invest talk
1: my question has to do with insuring residential rental properties
2: got a question for steve or justin what do you think a target price
1: to get in would be
2: you're the best person to ask it 888-99-CHART
0: With inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free InvestTalk Wealth Webinar. And it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. But you've got to register. Go to InvestTalk.com Scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button and click to register.
3: Hi Justin, this is Ray. My strategy is to get in to their stock when it's low
2: and at the dip and then Sell it when it's high. I know it's not something that uh, people like. I mean, uh, you guys agree with that. But I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than what I was expecting. 75% of the time, I'm doing good. So I was wondering, uh, is there anything wrong with this strategy? That's a conversation between me and my wife.
3: She's buy and hold type. I'm not. So I was wondering, what would you think about that? Thank you. Well, there's a million different trading strategies out there, and most of them don't work over long periods of time, just telling you. But that doesn't mean it can't work. It does. It, it Some people that can get – there. there's traders out there. That's what they do for a living. You can do it. It's just very, very difficult to be a consistent basis. Now, you should have rules that you follow and understand the rules and why, but everybody – Everybody wants to buy stocks low and sell them high. Okay, (laughs) name me one person who wouldn't want to do that. So the goal is the same for everybody, It's implementing that goal to be consistent is very difficult. I I am not a trader. I've done that in the past and, and I actually was successful at it, but it's so stressful. And you have to really be on top of everything constantly. And I just didn't care for that way of investing. So I'm kind of a buy-and-holder these days and have been for a couple of few decades. Uh, and that seems to work actually best in the long run. Most successful investors are buy-and-holders. But that doesn't mean you can't, can't be successful as a trader. It's just difficult. Okay. Um, did you hear about the Chinese development company called Oceanwide Holdings Companies? They have a huge uh, high-rise project in San Francisco that was just taken over by the bondholders. The lenders to that project have taken over the project from them because this company is having financial difficulties. Another Chinese builder that's having financial difficulties. And it seems to be prevalent in these builders. They have way overextended themselves. Now, unlike us here in the United States, we have builders that do that too. But this is a this has been going on for uh, decades, two two decades now for these Chinese developers, and they're starting just now to start to feel the pinch. And the Chinese government is trying to try you know chomp down on this speculation that has been happening in property values, and it's it's working. It's hurting their real estate market there. It's slowing it way down. So um there's a lot of uh, interest everybody is very interested in battery technology right we all know that every major car company is looking for better batteries so they can sell more cars and go further and longer on just a one charge battery and you know there has every car gm volkswagen ford you name it a, a major uh Manufacturing of vehicles out there—they are backing new battery technologies. Everybody's looking for the holy grail in batteries at this point, and right now it's a solid-state battery. There's like three or four companies that are developing, and one's a public company that has just done—you know—has attracted a lot of people's attention and just came out with an independent study on their technology, and it was very positive, and the stock was up, I don't know, 15%, 20% in the last couple of days. So, I think, you know, keep your eyes out for that next battery leap. I think it's coming. Okay? This is Invest Talk. I'm P Peasley, and we have and one goal here, but we're done for the day. We're done for the day. Uh, I... Remember, give us a call. Our Vestart lines is always open. We would really love you to tell your friends and family about our downloads and free podcasts. I'm Steve Peasley, and thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.